Right, this is episode 79 then, and possibly the last one before Christmas. I'm not sure, we'll see. We have been a little bit irregular with the uploads, but Pete's always away, and um, I've been busy, obviously, as well, with all the, the launch and things like that. But, you know, we, how long did we do, Pete? Like, every week? I think we must have done... We must have done at least 65, 70 episodes, maybe more. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. even know how many, but we, we kept it regular for a long time, didn't we, man? Sort of leading sure up to the gigs and all that stuff. Yeah, and um, that was fun. And, and heck, we're, st- I'm still, we're still available whenever. Obviously, life gets crazy and busy, so we have been busy. Uh, and yeah, now it's coming up to Christmas. I'm hoping that we can, uh, we can make some more time. But yeah, I love how you just totally blame it on me, though. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thank, thanks everyone for bearing with us when we when we do and don't upload. I know it's not quite as regular as it used to be, but uh, obviously we really appreciate everyone who listens, and we really st- we still really enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit tougher to find time because obviously the Podfather just gets promoted all the time, and his time gets taken up more and more and more more bloody podcasts that he's doing. Not just this one, um, but yeah, we will try and keep it more regular moving into the new year, and obviously coming up to. The actual release of my record, which, you know, I suppose it's a good link into that, really, because that's kind of what I've been doing for the past sort of two two weeks, really, which is, I don't know, it's mad, really, because it's like leading up to Christmas and Christmas is just completely off my radar. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because this is like my Christmas present, you know what I mean? Getting to sort of... Well, at least unveil the whole the whole sort of um, you know the album the con well you know what I mean the sort of details of the album without actually everyone having heard it. But yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun reading through all the comments. I mean, there's hundreds on YouTube and like on the the Facebook threads and stuff. There's uh, and like I'm getting constant messages from people, which uh, I really massively appreciate. That's a, some really really lovely comments. You know what I mean? There's one that. Um, sticks out in my mind actually and i should probably look on my phone and see exactly who it's from but it is on youtube and it's someone basically saying you know you and the other three lads gave us all um, uh, you know a massive soundtrack to our youth and it feels like this record might give us a soundtrack to you know a different part of our lives and i just i really liked that do you know what i mean i really like kind of um that that take on it really and you know i have been really blown away by the reactions of you know the the hardcore the music fans or whatever um it's been great because i i was i was a little bit uh, well i don't know if i said on the last episode but i i've been uh, it's weird i've been going through periods where i just think yeah I'm, you know this is absolutely amazing and then as with me i have crisis of confidence where some days i think oh but because it's not really loud and hardcore like the music people are gonna be like oh it's crap you know what I mean, and you just you just like live with that sort of fear, sort of um, uh, you know, sort of trying to try to get into your mind all the time. But no, it's been absolutely fantastic the the responses and yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of people say, "Wow, like like I can't wait to hear the record off the back of this track." And yeah, oh my, I mean, now I know that people like Dream Twister. I'm so giddy for everyone to hear the actual record because. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to say too much, but if you like Dream Twister, the, the album's going to absolutely blow you away. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? That's Dream Twister's. It's like the, it's the, it's the sort of intro into it. Do you know what I mean? It's the, it's the start of it, and then it, it gets pretty. Um, well, you'll just, you'll just have to wait and see. But that is one thing as well. Um, don't know in what form, but hoping to have. Some creative teasers that um, give a little bit more of a snippet of each track, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, 
do you know what I mean? To sort of give people a little bit more of a flavour of each of each song. So because it is quite a it is quite a long time up till the actual physical release. Um so it will be good in the meantime to for people to hear other little bits and stuff like that. But people I mean, people are still just some people are still just discovering it, you know, I've not heard it and like the word sort of starting to spread and picking up loads of views on YouTube and yeah, man, it's all it's yeah. all really nice to see it come to fruition, um, at least this early stage anyway. You know what I mean? I know it's not out and people aren't listening to it and I really, really can't wait for that bit when people hear and see like the whole thing in context. Um, yeah, that's going to be a really, really special moment. Yeah, I've seen a lot of really good comments. I actually even, uh, somebody even sent me an audio comment about it. So uh, here it is. Look at those Kipax wankers. <laughs> Yeah, I was Back like, well, off, it... <laughs> get to fuck. Yeah, I mean, everybody had comments about it. They were like, fuck off. You know, but other than that, I think most people liked it. Uh, one guy <laughs> said, one guy was like, hey, it sounds great, man. So, I mean, you know, everyone has their opinion. <laughs> you fucking dickhead. I actually thought, oh, yeah, someone sent him an audio comment. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Fuck off, Pete. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, and I'm looking forward to those teasers. I like. I, I was going to ask you about that because obviously you did a little bit of teasing, you know, with Dream Twister, and uh, I thought it was a really smooth way to sort of flow into what was then the full preview of the first song. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, with all the time waiting for this to come out, what would you just completely hold it and make people wait, or were you going to do some level of uh, tease? Yeah. Some will do some sort of creative. I don't think it will be the same as like a full video, like something like Dream Twister. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, we're still, this whole thing, I mean, apart from the actual record and the art, the whole concept and all the elements that um, bring it together, they're still kind of developing um, like things such as uh, another video for another single, potentially, or whether we approach it from more of, like I say, these little creative snippets using the art itself. Um, and that's that's going to be really cool to to mess around with Ross and see what he comes up with in that regard. Just say something to give people, like I say, a bit more of a taste because it is such a long time to wait. But that, I mean, that is the nature of, I don't, I don't know how much we got into this last week, but that's the nature of how I'm doing this. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not, it's not the... The, a case that you can launch a pre-order and then three weeks later everything's made and done yeah do you know what i mean the, the vinyl process is that 16 week you i mean in a record like this it's the vinyl process the vinyl lead time that dictates and you might sit there and think well surely you'd get or you get your vinyl made and then you'd announce your pre-order and <laughs> you know what i mean but it's like well no because in my position when i'm when I'm using my own money and it's not some big conglomerate record company that can just throw as much money as they want at it I have to get an idea of how many I'm going to sell first. Yeah. For do you know sure. what I mean? So that that's that's why you have to do the pre-order first and then go, right, okay, so there's that many pre-orders after so many weeks and there's so many months left of pre-order. So you, you look forward and think, well, it'd be safe to make this amount of records because obviously the last thing you want to do is have loads of unsold records because, again, I, because it's on my own label, yeah. that's kind of... That's out of my pocket, basically. So you what you want to try and make as many records as you can sell, and it's the same for CDs and stuff. But CDs take no time, you know, to get to the lead time on CDs is nothing. And this is all stuff I, I suppose it's a bit of a tangent, really. But this is all stuff that I um, never used to have anything to do with, obviously, uh, as part of the music. 
never went near anyone who made anything in that regard. It, that was all just done. Um, it all just so, magically I mean, appeared. <laughs> exactly. It all just magically appeared. And then suddenly, I mean, it's all down to me to sort of, uh, you know, it's me that's doing this. It's me that's like got a thousand emails, like from uh, vinyl manufacturers, from the CD manufacturers, from box manufacturers, from T-shirt manufacturers. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I'm sort of doing my best to coordinate everything. Um, and as a result, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, uh, it's fascinating. I can't wait to get Ross on, but, you know, me and Ross, obviously because me and Ross and Nicola did the music live at Temple Newsom as well. So we we put all that together, the whole campaign. And I really enjoyed that. If Well, for a myriad of reasons, but all the while I was just thinking this gives me the perfect practice for, for my record. When my record comes out, I've, oh, yeah. I've, you know, I've developed all the contacts already. I've been over to press on vinyl and spoke to them lads, you know, in, uh, in reference to the music record and all the sorts of things and t-shirt people and all this stuff, you know, cause I put the shop together for the music and that. So I've kind of built up all the contacts I've needed to do this on my own. And it's been, it's been a fascinating yet stressful, stressful process and i did say to ross at one point like because ross comes from a, a um you know a creative design industry obviously digital creative design uh, and he does obviously fine art as well but sort of his actual job digital creative design um it's a much stricter more set in stone world where you know when someone says they're going to do something it gets done yeah do you know what i mean like the music industry it, it isn't like that it's like the Wild West in that sense. And the best way I could describe it to him is like, you know, it's everything just loads of shit just flies down a hill, rolls down the hill. And as it's rolling down the hill, it all just kind of falls together. And then when it gets to the bottom of the hill, it's like, there you go, it's it's finished. <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't an easy or comfortable process to get it to the finish line, but it does get there. Like there were loads of times Ross were just like, what, why is that doing? Why is, why is that not happening? And I'm like, mate, this is just, this is how it works. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's the, you know, it's I uh, imagine can Ross get... wearing his corporate hat on because things like, like I work in a big software company and everything, everything literally like even uh, we have some internal podcasts, like even the internal podcast, there's like a committee that has to be involved on the naming of it. Like mm. there is, there is a thing for a thing for a thing and there's a process and everything is official. And I'm not going to say it's the fastest thing, but it's certainly efficient. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of red tape. So yeah, it, it's interesting mm. to be, which is interesting and kind of segues into what we wanted to talk about today is like you basically did all this stuff yourself but before that you were just this you know 17 year old kid that just knew how to play guitar really well and then somehow really amazing records got produced and you and I'm really curious like maybe we can unpack what that was like for you as a as a youth and seeing all the pieces or you know what exposure at what level did you have with some of these maybe that might be an interesting topic to chew on yeah, I mean, the, the it's, it's quite difficult, really, because the two processes, as I see it anyway, well, I mean, it's it kind of started in one way and then developed all the way to the third album with the music. And then the way that this album has come together and the way I've put this album together is kind of like the, I suppose, the completion of that direction, really. Do you know what I mean? In a sense that it started off very traditional do you know what i mean like a traditional recording process which we can talk about but then right the way through to now you know me and james have made this record in like a really modern way do you know what i mean and probably 
probably a way that went somewhat counter to my instincts in terms of what I'd consider instinctively the proper way to record music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is a difficult pitfall to get into, you know, treating things from a very purist, very analog um, standpoint. That, you know, that because that's how we, that's how the music started. I mean, fair enough, everything was on Pro Tools, but it was much more based in a tradition, a traditional recording method. So, you know, that for one, that process has completely changed. But I mean, not only that, I suppose the diff- the, the, another difference as well would be, um, it's a slight side step, but yeah, it's the fact that I've done this album on my own without the other, you know, without making music with four other people, three other people and not, not kind of just music, musical decisions, but general, the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Because it's relevant because you carry those things into a studio. Do you know what I mean? In terms of the, the way each member approaches the whole process. Yeah. And as a result of that, over time, you you can you can find a way how everyone fits in. Do you know what I mean? Because I think whenever you have more than one person is a, a, a creative input that it does it can become a compromise do you know what i mean but not always to its detriment right but the process the process would always be somewhat compromised do you know what i mean unless you're working i don't know i suppose it's, I suppose yeah. it's difficult really because yeah because we didn't have a clue what we were doing when we went into our first studios i mean and i suppose it depends how far back do you want to go in terms of first studios do you know what i mean because that's a there's a conversation there in itself, but yeah. obviously, as you as you rightly point out, I mean, the first time we were in a studio in inverted commas was, you know, we were just sixteen. No, because sixteen, we'll have been sixteen, and that was um, somewhere in Harbury near near us by a by a river. Or was it by a little commander? I can't remember anyway. But because that was where that Rottweiler nearly ripped my hand off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really confident with dogs, and there were this big, huge Rottweiler, absolutely enormous, and all other lads were right shy of it. And I just walked up to it like, yeah, what's up? There's not wrong with it. I'm stroking it on its head. And then I could just feel this low rumble through the ground. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, is that is is, is that a truck or something outside? <laughs> and then I realized that this low rumble was coming from this Rottweiler. <laughs> It didn't. It, it had no malice in it, but it, it certainly let me know that it didn't fancy me stroking its head anymore. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's magic whenever you go into the stu- a studio for the first time, and it don't matter because everything's proportional. So when you're that age and you've never seen any kind of studio, even when you go into one that you know by professional standards is a very low-fi setup, yeah, it's still an amazing thing. Do you know what sure. I mean? It's, that sort of magic wears off as you get older, where you're like, well, hang on, you know, like it's all going to be recorded and you can play it back and mess with levels and stuff like, you know, don't you take, you take those things for, for granted very quickly. And uh, funnily enough, actually, um, I ended up listening, found and listened to our, the, the recording from that session I'm talking about that Harbury session, which was our very first time ever recording as a band. And we did four songs and I remember at the time, like just being blown away by how good it sounded. And then when I listened back to it, obviously you're like, "Wow, <laughs> just you know, what I mean, that is a that is different to how I remember it." But I tell you, I, I tell you what, I got a massive nostalgic kick off listening to that. Oh, wow. I really did, and it sparked some conversations, really. But um, well, yeah, what well, you said, compromise earlier, and that kind of 
And that made sense to me because I imagine if if there was an album, if the very first album of the music was only Rob, you know, like mm-hmm. his his creative thoughts, it would be a certain kind of album. If it was only Phil, I think it would be a totally different album. If it was Absolutely. only you, it would be a totally different album. If it was, you know, if it all four of you you know contributed in different ways absolutely and so yeah. i so i i love the idea like you said the compromise was not to the to its detriment um no. you know it's certainly a way to to creatively you know come together in ways and, and create something special so yeah the the part i was curious about is you all rec- you all practice in the same studio and play and play off of each other but when you actually do the recording do you have to do them in separate parts or do you guys just hit record and say boom and let's let's ship it or is it like all right we're going to do just the guitar and everybody else is in a different room you know sometimes they separate the instruments i mean that, that christ that's a long conversation in itself again i'll try I'll, we'll do that then i'll try and break it down um but there's quite a few interesting points come up on this that i'd like to talk about but i don't know if i'm going to remember them all we'll see but i'll go on with this then um so as you say there, there are different ways of doing it sometimes you do it in separate booths um and sometimes you do it all in one room so for example and it it, it there's no rule really it, different producers like to do it in different ways and you know very early on you have conversations about these things and a lot of the time the battle is trying to capture um, the live performance. And I think we've talked about this briefly before, but trying to capture all the nuances that make a live performance um, kind of what it is. And it's really hard, but it's really hard to sort of, um, it's something that we were always striving to do anyway, because we were always so much, I don't know when you say better live, but there was something about when we played together that, you know, capturing that magic on the tape. So that, I mean, the first, our first album we were all in one room. But you see, that's just tracking up, you see. So, right. So for the first album, we were all in one room. But that would mainly be about getting the drums and yeah. maybe even the bass. Did we? I think, I think, no. I mean, we played in the big room all together and recorded. But then, to cut a long story short, everyone plays together in the live room. And that's to give the drummer the vibe. Do you know what I mean? You don't want the drummer necessarily playing just on his own with nothing to key off. And you know what I mean? It's just, that's a little bit of a producer thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll get in the same room and it's nice and loud and you know, you can separate mics off with clever, you know, sort of slidey about baffly things that make directional mics not pick stuff up, which means that you can get clean channels for uh, drum tracking. Yeah. And then what you, so once you've got your drum tracks, you'd then, you know, then sort of, well, Stu would sit down and play the bass in in the control room. So you get, you'd, Stu would sit right in front of the in front of the big speakers on the bigs, as we used to say. When you certainly, I wanted it on the bigs as well, on the massive speakers that they have in the wall, enormous, enormous drivers. God knows how big they are. Um, but yeah, you'd sit in the hot seat, so to speak, and drums would come through, and Stu puts bass down and. And then I do the same with guitars and layer up guitars. Do you know what I mean? So the core of the performance is live. But you see, it's not just that simple because there's quite a lot of electronic stuff that goes on as well. There's quite a lot of programming that goes on. So when you do do your drum takes, there you, you comp them as you would a comp a vocal. So you take you take the best bits and make it flow, basically, and you build the drum track out of that. So nine times out of ten, certainly in my experience, a drum track is never is never a straight all the way take. 
I mean, it probably will have been in, you know, early 70s and stuff like and even 80s. Um, but, you know, as soon as you had clever editing techniques right. and then computers and software, that's so, I mean, this will be boring to some people, but it, it that that was very much a case of sort of merging traditional analog stuff and then starting to bring computers into a studio where it was computers that were actually taking over the real um the real core of it do you know what i mean oh yeah so you'd, you'd kind of do everything on the analog stuff and then dump it into the computer basically yeah. do you know what i mean so it's like a, a hybrid version of it and that's very much how we recorded our first album and i mean you know and, and when i say a compromise i only mean that in the sense of well, certainly me from, a, you know, I've always had a producer's mind, you know what I mean? Right from the, when we first started writing, I've always had that producer's mind. And, you know, you might come into points of view where I'm thinking about the track and thinking, well, you know, maybe the drums could sound like that. But if Phil is very much of the mind of, well, no, I want it to sound like that, then there you go. Do you know what I mean? That's the, they're the compromises you come to. And as a result, like you say, Pete, you end up with this, this glorious music that, people absolutely vibe off but they don't necessarily know that at the creation of that it's very germ yeah there is a little moment where someone goes well i like that bit and someone goes well i don't and other one goes well i do yeah so you know everyone will bring their that's that's what i mean by everyone bringing their own individual uh you know imposing their own individual bit on it but obviously it's been a very different process this time because and even writing you know, you can take that metaphor or whatever and, and and apply it to writing as well in the sense of, you know, the push and pull of Stu doing one thing, me doing another thing, Phil doing something, and then Rob doing something and making that work. It's just, it, I mean, you know, sort of, it's just been a very different process this yeah. time. And I don't know, it's different because this, this process has been absolutely stress-free, making Badlands. It's been the most fun I've ever had in my life, creatively, in that sense. But I suppose I should caveat that with that's only because I know now to not take shit for granted. Do you know what I mean? I think that's why it's maybe felt more fun. Probably not more fun than them, you know, making the first album. But even that had like a load of, even that had, a, you know, we'd, we'd been signed to a big label for comparatively quite a lot of money for a young, a young band. There was a lot of expectation on us. Oh, yeah. Now, fair enough, we delivered in the end, but that was all. That was all in the background. There was that, you know, are people going to like this? But I suppose it was very different then, though, because as much as that was on our shoulders, it also wasn't because Tim and Tony had done such a good job of hold, you know, getting us to where we were. I mean, the second album will, will have been worse for that. Will have been worse for the the pressure and all the expectation, especially as like it was um, headed by the American. Uh, by capital and stuff um, that had a lot of expectation. But the beauty of Badlands, uh, jump into the jump into the current, is the fact that I didn't have any expectations for it. Do you know what I mean? As I described, the whole the whole groundswell of love for the music and and you know the, the love that was shown to me for my playing and that all that just inspired me to do it. And I, I went forward with that attitude of I don't care if it yeah. has commercial success. That's not why I want to do it. So, I mean, in some ways, it, it is kind of redundant to try and compare the two things. But, I mean, other, but for the fact that the writing process was just fueled with so much more joy, I guess. And that's what that's what shines through on this record. And, and I know I've said I can't wait for people to hear it, but 
really is an emotional experience, proper uplifting, um, yeah. because that's what I was feeling at the chance to make this record. Um, and well, you that's, know, that's it right there. Like, so music is such an interesting thing because it's really just like a, it's like a snapshot in time of, of the people that are recording it. People are feeling different things, going through different things. And sometimes that comes out in their music, you know, like people, you know, we all love all different kinds of music. It's not like we're all just want the same exact thing every time, mm-hmm. but you know, it's really, I, when I hear the music that you made in dream twister, it's, it's really good, but it's also like very telling of the time in your life. You know, it's almost like, yeah. a, like a, it's like a story, like, um, Hey, there's a field where there was crops at one point that were awesome and flourishing and it's been a dead cold field for a while. And now there's something springing up out of the soil and it's new and fresh Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and it's starting to, it has this new life. And I don't know, that's sort of how I view it. It's an interesting uh, way when I listen to the songs, I hear that in the songs like i feel like oh this is like back when he was realizing oh wait this is new which is interesting because now you're very you know pompous and and conceited (laughs) but back then you really had this fresh (laughs) like you know you know genuine you know appreciation it was really cool (laughs) (laughs) um Oh, fucking hell. I, I knew how I was going to follow that up then until you did that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I've I've been sat here, I've been sat here for a long time trying to work out how I communicate pe- to people what this record is about or what the songs are about. And as soon as it's come out, I realized I don't fucking need to. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, it, it, and that's that's what I wanted. I wanted it to slap people in the face. Yeah. The, the, the emotion in it and where it's coming from and what it means to me and it goes for the entire record do you know what i mean it's like it's it the rec- it's like being it's been forcibly picked up and hoisted into the air is this record do you know what i mean in, 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 a, in a joyous sense it's um and i love the fact that that is overt and it comes across overtly and people um can and that's why the that's why the video is so special as well. And again, that's something we'll get into a lot more when Ross feels able to come on. But the video just hits the nail completely on the head and really drives home kind of what that piece of music is about and what you... Well, I say what you're meant to feel. I mean, people can feel what... I, I just want it to to make people feel something, stop and feel something, which I think... Judging from the responses I've seen across the board, I think is I think it's done. I think the emotion in the, in the track is connected in the way that I wanted it to, without having to, you know, do what I'm liable to do, as you say, so pompous these days, just drawn on for ages about <laughs> about oh well, it means this to me and it means that to me, and you know there is that, and I find it odd as well because you like you learn me, you'll hear me on this podcast and like I don't know I come I don't know how I come across anyway, but. I don't know if how I come across on this podcast in any way like relates to the person who makes music. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's really fucking strange because I can be quite like, I don't know, lighthearted and crackers on this podcast. And then you listen to Dream Twister and you're like, is that the same? Is that the same guy? That that sort of, do you know what I mean? I don't know that maybe that's just something in my own head. Um, yeah, obviously you're yeah. multifaceted. There's different. I, I think the authenticity seeps through for sure. Like I, I don't think anybody listens to this podcast and doesn't get that you're a pretty genuine guy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're also uh, a pretty excited guy as well. So and uh, and, yeah. and and you're one of the few people 
uh, certainly in 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 the music that would have ever done this anyway. Like you're yeah, a, yeah. of and and in other bands, I'm sure. Like the fact that you do podcasting and do it pretty well, I might add. Um, that's just sort of like another piece of you. You know, like that's something uh-huh. that maybe not every musician would do. But you know, hey, I mean, there's a lot of musicians that do do podcasts. But uh, yeah, that's it's just one part of you. I mean, the, I think yeah, the, I think the genuine side of you is very uh, is very self evident in this podcast. Well, that's cool. I'm pleased about that. Um, I don't know. I, I can have such. I can. I mean, I've, I, it's something I've never said with myself until doing these podcasts. I can actually be quite uh, funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, but then I think if you listen to the music that I'm making, especially now, it's it's full. It's full of like melancholy, but like uplifting, uplifting melancholy, heartwarming. It's hard to it's hard to kind of put my finger on it really, but I I really can't wait for people to hear the record, and I'd love to. I, I can't wait to find out how it makes people feel. You know, not just that one track, but the whole thing, and when they listen to the whole thing, because I think it's gonna. I think I mean, obviously, it's it's probably um, goes without saying, but. It's. I think it's going to be so much bigger when it comes out and people have started to hear it and connect with it. You know, yeah. so obviously, 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 that's going to be the case. But I don't know. There was just something in my mind that I found a little bit juxtaposed, really, with the way I can. Mind you, I can be quite. I I can be all sorts of different types of you know, character on this podcast. I suppose. Can't, I suppose it's wrong to try and pigeonhole me. So I don't know. I just always found it hard to relate to the person that I am and then the person that makes music it feel it feels like I go to a a different personality I mean you know it almost feels like multiple personalities that are doing it you know what I mean um which I think well I don't know I think for the most part is a, 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 a negative thing to have multiple personalities but no I, I think we all have them actually yeah I mean sure I mean you yeah, know that's something that sides of us yeah yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, I'm different with different groups of friends. Of and th- like if one group of friends saw me with the other group of friends, I think some of them literally wouldn't recognize anything about me other than my skin and my face. Yeah. I, I, so much, so my, my behavior can be so much different. But I don't know. I just, that's a, that's a, a little bit of a tangent. But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose going back to the processes and recording and things like that, I think there's, the, the the biggest thing I could say is that when you're 17, 18, 19, it all just looks like unspeakable magic that you're never going to get your head around. And, you know, you'd have to be a millionaire to have the facility to record your own things at home. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. All that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, to be fair, when we were recording that early, you weren't far from the truth, really, because, you know, you didn't, you didn't have the more affordable side of, computers and things uh, which is what you have now um it's like that guy uh, we had on the podcast uh soul boy uh you know he, he's mm-hmm. he comes from a totally different recording uh generation absolutely and a yeah. different, you know this kid's like why would anybody waste money on a studio <laughs> i just yeah, do yeah. It, i just do it in my room <laughs> he's well that, i mean yeah yeah and as i've said before that's something that that we did um or more specifically i did on our third album do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know whether we've ever spoke about the difficulty in getting from the second album to the third album, but it, I mean, the reason it happened that it, I ended up doing it in my bedroom is because I had to take, I had to take a bull by the horns. We were so stagnant and stale and, ina- and inactive. Um, and there was no way to really, we weren't getting any joy writing in the old fashioned way. And that's when I thought, right, well, we're going to have to change something here and, that was when I certainly stepped in 
to the you know the bedroom studio the the early digi design 002 uh interfaces and things like that where you could start to you could start to build up tracks um that would sound as good as something that had come out of a you know a full-on studio or certainly the, the makings of that and that's something we i explored on the third album and and that's what I carried, you know, when we did the third album, then we split up, I carried on making music and that's the stuff you hear on YouTube. They're not all there, but you know, um, Darkness on the Way Home and Sirens and Kings and Magic Eye and Lights Across the Bay and Going to Ground and Fire and Ice and there's a couple of others, but that's all the stuff I wrote after our third album. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, and that... I I then was out of it for 10 years. Yeah, I was out of it for 10 years. So that as soon as I thought, right, I as soon as I made that decision and thought, right, fuck this, literally fuck this, I'm making music again. And that goes all the way back to my fuck gardening tweet. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. my fucking, that was literally the moment I went, no, fuck it. I had going to my grave thinking, oh, I could have made another album. And, I, you know, I remember having a conversation with Don, with Dave, that I worked with gardening ages ago. He hit the nail on the head. and He'll probably not even remember he said it. He might do. But we, we, I started talking about writing music anyway and getting really angry about it. And I basically turned around to him and said, you fucking think I can't do it? I fucking show you if you think I can't still do it. Yeah, I can still do it better than I ever did. I bet you what I bet on my life. And Dave turned around and just went, well, fucking do it then. <laughs> fucking saying shit like that for get on and do it stop taking piss and it's like uh, oh, well all right call, call me bluff call me bluff why well, don't you but mm, here the fuck i am do you know what i mean yeah um but yeah what uh, my first thoughts were oh bloody hell, well i don't you know i've been out of it so long i can't even remember you know what i mean what what i'm gonna need but i mean that was that all that stuff it's like it, it's muscle memory in it even if you don't do something for a decade. Once you start doing it, I mean, Christ, look at guitar. I didn't play guitar for a decade. The second I picked that up, I was like, bloody hell, I'm better than I was. Honestly, <laughs> I said, I, honestly, I said that out loud to myself that literally the first time I tried to play a guitar again. And I don't know if that sounds, I don't give a fuck if it sounds, it's not meant to sound arrogant. It's literally a fact that happened. I picked the guitar up, not thinking I could do it. And you know, for years when I would I'd gardened for seven years, hardcore every day, do you know what I mean? Uh, not weekends, but I did another job on weekends. I went to vape shop, still using my hands. You know, it got to a point where my hat on the morning, my hands wouldn't open. I had two fists oh, like man. that. Yeah, every fucking morning, every fucking morning. And I had to literally pull each finger out of my palm wow. and fold them out like that every morning, just from white finger vibration. Hmm. you know what i mean and like i used to sit there sort of half giggling to myself thinking well it's a fucking good job i ain't got any prospects in music in it i'm fucking annihilating my hands here wow. you know what i mean and like i carried all that forward through gardening thinking this really must be changing the bone structure in my hands i mean i don't know what these uh bones are called the equivalent to your metatarsals anyway on your foot but in your hand i could literally feel them shifting as our gardening, yeah. you know what I mean? And using my hands in a different way, because you have to, you have to realize before that I'd never done a day's graft with my hands. Do you know what I mean? My hands were delicate, sure. very soft, perfect skin. I mean, I destroyed them gardening, my knuckles all shredded. And like I say, my hands changed, like the bone structure in them, the way I used them changed. But all that being said, um, the first time I picked up a guitar to try and play it properly, I was just like, fucking hell. This is a lot easier than I remember. So I don't know whether all that sort of 
graft and using my hands in that different way actually strengthened them. But yeah, I used to be terrified when I'd wake up and I couldn't, I couldn't physically open my hands. Yeah, that's not, that's not I, good. <laughs> no, but that, that, that's, that's vibration white finger. That, that's what happens when you use, um, you know, tools doing manual labor and shit like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The vibrations have got to go somewhere and it goes into your bloody hands, but I don't know how we've got onto vibration white finger. Oh yeah. Oh, well just, you know, referencing getting back into it and the apprehension about, well, can I do it again and all that? And yeah, the foot gardening tweet and you know, I, I'll reiterate that was in no disrespect to gardening or gardeners. I still garden and I love it, but I just meant in my case, I am fucking doing that for the rest of my life when yeah. I can make music like I can. And I don't, I still don't think it's really sunk in what I've done, if you know what I mean. And I'm not, I don't want it to turn into a self-congratulatory thing fest. Do you know what I mean? But in terms of where I was and referencing our early conversations again, and like where I am now, do you know what I mean? It's, you know, I did that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All, all while kind of not realizing that I were doing it to the point where this record's coming out and all of a sudden I can step back just a little bit and be like, yeah, man, fucking hell. Like, I was right. I knew I could do it. And off we go. And and I will say, like, you know, this is very much just the start. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's so much more to come. I'm only 39, I think. And I ain't got fuck <laughs> all interest in no else. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's going to be so... I'm the type of artist where I'm going to have to be begging to release stuff. Do you know what I mean? Where my manager's like, no, no, you can't saturate the market with, you know, you need to stagger your releases. You know, it's like, fuck, that'll do, you know, once every three months will be in you. <laughs> well, yeah, they're heck, man. You, the minute you finished the, uh, the, the instrumental album, you were already making more music that could fill a whole nother album that was actually with voice. And yeah. I was like, holy cow, this, <laughs> this, this is amazing. <laughs> like I can mm -hmm. only imagine that. Yeah. As you, and you're just starting, like, like you said, I, I remember when you literally were like shopping for a MacBook, uh, and mm -hmm. trying to figure out all that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I have some very vivid, funny memories of you trying to navigate a MacBook, mm -hmm. you know, early days and just trying to figure stuff out, you know. But yeah, man, you literally went from zero all the way to whatever, like very fast. And yeah, you're starting to build some momentum. So it's pretty it's a journey. It's cool to see. It's cool to see. And uh, I'm really curious to see what happens. I mean, it's amazing with Dream, Dream Twister. I'm just it's going to be an interesting ride to see this whole thing evolve. Absolutely. Absolutely. And th I mean, the. Th there has been an element of frustration with that as well, because um, this obviously people haven't even heard this record yet, but you have to just take into account in your own minds. I'm speaking to the listener now, obviously in your own minds, how long ago I actually finished this record. Do you know what I mean? And like you said, yeah. Pete, since then I've actually gained loads of confidence with my voice and all sorts of things because there was an element as well of the fact that because I was so nervous about my voice and I, I still am, but I tell you what, I'm a thousand times better with my voice. A thousand times better. A thousand times better. Um, but I think because I did have that element of, um, well, huge element of being shy and uh, fear about my voice, because of that, in some ways, it kind of felt easier to make an instrumental album. Do you know what I mean? And sure. I don't want that. I don't want that to detract because it shouldn't do because, well, it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? It's just in the narrative of me as an artist, one of the germs of creation of this record was, uh, well, I'm not too confident in my voice, but I can hammer the shit. You know what I mean? I've got yeah. endless, endless ideas for. Yeah, that can be the motivation. 
but then it turns into something totally different once you actually start to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I say, this record is kind of something I finished a while ago, and since then, like you say, I've 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 got vocal tracks now, and probably bloody two albums worth of them. But that I will refine them. Do you know what I mean? Everything will be refined, and everything will take time. And um, yeah, but this record is definitely uh, an, an an enormous step for me. Enormous. Do you know what I mean? And I cannot wait for people to hear it in that sense. And it, I mean, you know, I've 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 seen people say, "Oh, yeah, Dream Twisters mega," but I reckon I could come up with, you know, I'd like to sing over that. And it's like, no, oh. do you know what I mean? I, I my guitar sings it perfectly, and I won't lie. I sat down for a long time and tried to vocalize Dream Twister and tried to turn it into a vocal song. Now, it doesn't work, in my opinion. Now, I don't know whether that's because I think Dream Twister very quickly became something bigger than what it was to me. Don't give me no, that. Don't sound right. It it was massive to me, but as soon as I played it to other people, it I don't know. It just really captured some sort of magic. Dream Twister and I don't know if I've referenced it before but sometimes if I do a demo and I live with it for ages when it comes time to do the actual track it don't come close to the demo and I just veto it just like I did with Inconceivable Odds we did that in my bedroom Yeah, we tried to record it properly with Flood in um, um, Townhouse and he was just like no it's nowhere near as good nowhere near as good you know Something about certain performances that you capture sometimes just have an absolute magic to them. And that was definitely true of the way me and Rob did Inconceivable Odds. No matter how we did it, again, it just sounded disjointed and quite shit, basically. But the way on the album, like I've, I've never been able to play it like I did on, on, that, on the album version anyway. <laughs> but I mean, as a very mad tangent... Uh, how good was Inconceivable Odds at Temple News? <laughs> yeah, I was about that, to say <laughs> that absolutely transformed that song. Yeah, because because it, it's good on the record. I love it on the record, but shit me, the live version, so absolutely another place. Obviously, the the original is amazing. The strip, it's so stripped down and it's so beautiful. It's amazing. It's one of the better songs from the music for sure. I would put it up there in a, in your list of great songs. That is that is genius. Um, then when you guys first reunited and actually played it in the kitchen uh that was an interesting and also really good version of that song different but really cool uh and then of mm-hmm. course the temple newsome uh was like also just in its own lane really an amazing version of that song with with all yeah. the effects on the guitar and just the lighting and just the whole experience was just like uh watching that live was definitely uh a bucket list item for me yeah i mean i had planned on doing it as an uh, with an on an acoustic um live but i'd been creating this sound that i've used on badlands um and it's kind of become my sound at the moment and that was it that's that's the sound that i've introduced to a lot of the music songs that we did what was it on and it made i tell you what that fucking sound made no danger what it was no danger just sound. i mean don't get me wrong obviously we all played amazing and everyone sound great sounded great but from my perspective what i bring to that song like the sound that I created that I used on Inconceivable Odds, Too High, uh, what else did I use it on? Used it on Walls as well. Quite a few of them anyway, but I liked that as well. I liked being able to bring my style now back to work with my style then. Yeah, that was you know actually, what I mean? I, I didn't miss that. That was very really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I definitely caught that on Inconceivable Odds. And probably one of the highlights, of course, 
no danger was was definitely my highlight but one of the highlights for me and it's it's even really evident on the video is when you finished inconceivable odds and it fades and the music is still playing and it just sort of like bleeds into strength in numbers yeah Uh, and then even rob i'm sure he didn't do it on purpose but he just turned and had this like death stare into the audience was like dead still while that was happening and it was just such a cool moment like if you haven't seen the video get on youtube is it still on youtube it, it's still up for the people who received the link yeah ah, for the yeah. people who bought who bought the album from the townsend store they're the people that got the link to the film and yes the film is still up but yeah no, i think that was phil's idea going from inconceivable odds into strength that was awesome and uh and we actually yeah i think it was phil who wanted to go into something after you know straight into something after after inconceivable odds and phil were like well is there is there a song that's got the chord that strength and uh, that odds on ends on so you can go straight into it and it were like well if i if i finish on that chord of inconceivable odds then you can go straight into strength and yeah it worked it worked absolutely brilliantly because you've got that that gorgeous sort of well you know the gorgeous sound that is inconceivable odds straight into that hammer blow that is strength when oh, yeah. we all come in after my synth line comes up and then everyone just hammers in um yeah <laughs> great, great memories, man good fucking memories well, so so you've done the you've done the you've done all the different versions, man. You went from the music first album where you basically were like, "Tell me what to do. I just know how to play guitar," um, and and you and you guys write and then learn the whole um, produ- the producing. It's probably where you actually started to really get into your own uh, desire for producing. Takes you to the, the second album, which I'm sure was very different. You know, working with a whole American team and and their style mm-hmm. of producing, all the way to starting from your bread your bedroom uh with the third album but actually getting into the studio uh to just full-on bedroom producing with uh with dream twister and and this new album uh so badlands on fire so yeah that it seems like you've you've done the gamut of production styles um uh what do you think which which one do you prefer well i I think I don't know if you could even say prefer, really. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing like being in a proper studio, but that comes down to budget. And I don't know if I finished the point earlier where I was saying how me and James did this in the sense that I'd uh, write the track in my bedroom again and set the whole thing out with all the guitars and everything, but with more stuff in some tracks. Um, And the story of all that is in the book as well. Um, But... Yeah, I'd kind of do everything at my end and then send it to James. So we were working remotely, which as I probably didn't say, probably didn't link in well enough earlier, but that's what we've done on this record. We've done it remotely. So I've done all my stuff and got it to where, you know, it's like, right, this is a song. And then I've sent it to James and James has like waved his magic wand over it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and just put all this beautiful orchestration on it and stuff that just elevates it to this absolutely incredible record. But yeah, I mean... my it like i said earlier it, it goes against a lot of instincts to do it in the way we've done it but the results are absolutely fucking amazing and that's the one of the take home points is that it doesn't really matter how you get there as long as at the end of it, it, it you wouldn't know any different do you know what i mean like recording digitally and remotely as we have done has not been to the detriment of the record but again i mean this record it, it's very much it's it doesn't need it's well i'll tell you what this record isn't based in reality. If you, you know, like a band, the Libertines, for example, that's like a, a garage band vibe. That's based in reality. You can imagine when you hear that record, the four lads in a room stood round all playing their instruments. 
this record ain't that. Yeah. Do you know, and I think I think Dream Twister says that enough. You know, when me and, when 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 I started talking to James, I was like, I was thinking Massive Attack, uh, Homogenic, which is Bjork's second album, all this sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't thinking Led Zeppelin and <laughs> bloody, you know, um, whatever. I was. It, I, I I don't know how to explain. You know, one of my favorite records of all time. Well, I, I know two of them right there: Mezzanine, Massive Attack, and Homogenic by Bjork. That is kind of where I've, you know, this, this, as I said, this record isn't really based in reality. I don't want you to hear this record and imagine standing on someone's fucking drive with the garage door open, peering in, watching the lads. Nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. And that's where the core of all sorts of great music comes from. Sure. But yeah, in, in terms of framing this record, no, this Badlands on Fire, man, this is stepping into somewhere you've never fucking been and seeing lights and colors you've never seen that's what this is it's not it's not based in reality so i think the fact that we recorded it like we did mat, doesn't matter if I, do you know what i mean it, you, there's no band vibe to capture because it's not a band that's created this it's come out of my head and then yeah. james me and james have, have james has wrapped it in just the most amazing production and stuff like that which as i say we discussed quite at length do you know what i mean all the sort of references i gave him yeah and again this is all detailed in the book for all the really fascinating bits of detail in terms of how we did it and and what we discussed and the references that i was giving him um you know things things like the drums on dream twister being like a heartbeat and things like that rather than sounding like drums just there there's an example so for all the people who were like, well, no, you need a real drum kit in the studio or mic'd up. It's like, no, you fucking don't. Not for this. Because how the fuck are you going to get a real drum kit to sound like, you know, like almost like a vibe of a heartbeat or something nah, like that? Do you know what I mean? They're and different things. Like, obviously. It, that, that's the point. That is the yeah. point I'm making. Yeah. Um, it's the, it, it's an entirely different. But it's still me. It's an entirely different type of music, but it's 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 still me. And it's the, you know, it's the best thing that I've ever done as a human being. Um, definitely. And aside from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this podcast is pretty awesome to be fair. And um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a natural born worrier, me, and it's probably why I can eat crap and not put on any way. Cause I just worry it all away. But I mean, it, you know, it comes into this podcast as well. I I, I worry that we're going to run out of topics or people aren't going to be interested in what we're talking about. I always worry about them things. And to be honest, that it, I can find that quite paralyzing sometimes because you have to understand that we've been doing this podcast for so long and it's been so the music centric and, you know, it, we've we've done all kinds of things, talked about all kinds of things. And to be honest, there's an element of me where you, you try, you're thinking of stuff and you're like, well, have we already talked about that? You know, we've done so many. So, yeah. um, I you know, I carry my anxieties through into this. I still enjoy it and I love it. And especially when it goes well like this and I can get something that we can talk about. But, you know, if there is anyone who does want to hear specifics about stuff or anything like does have any ideas for topics or even guests, you know what I mean? Do always um, send me or Peter a message and that stuff we can take on board because it, it can be, I mean, it's probably why the podcast isn't weekly anymore because it's very difficult to, to you know, to keep coming up with fresh content that people want to listen to. I mean, there is a bit of me, Pete, that thinks that the people who enjoy listening to us and listen to us critique bloody Steven Seagal's latest film, do you know what I mean? Which I'm sure is shit. Um, so that could be fun in its own right. <laughs> 
maybe we should just talk about how France beat England. I don't know. We could talk about a whole bunch of different things. I mean, it's up to you. That that is that is something that I'm gutted we didn't do a podcast uh, while the <laughs> while um well I was going to say while your nation was in the World Cup, but while both our nations were in the World Cup because we actually played you guys, didn't we? And my God, it was a boring game. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, oh, what wind Pete up about this? He might even watch it. And then I did think, fuck me, I hope Pete isn't watching this because he'll just be thinking, those silly motherfuckers <laughs> sat round watching this crap. It was a boring game. Yeah. But yeah, um, that was, I was most disappointed that there was no bragging rights to be had either side. I wouldn't have minded if you'd have won and got the bragging rights, at least and someone would have had the bragging rights. But no, we were both shit. Yeah. <laughs> The bragging rights still remain with the people that don't watch soccer. Well, I guess so. I guess so. I'm um, I, 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 I appreciate it because I appreciate American football and it's nothing funnier than when I'm totally into it and, and my wife comes in and says some random comment about like, oh, are they still chasing the ball around the field? That sounds great. <laughs> like, you know, like completely belittling my excitement. Are you excited? Did your team win? <laughs> it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that will probably do it for, for this episode. I don't know if we covered all the things we were meant to. I don't know if it's going to make any sense, but hey, it sounds um, yeah, well, <laughs> Fuck yeah. off, Pete. there we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, on that note, anyway, um, you will, we'll call that a draw for now. Uh, we are coming up to Christmas. I'm not going to promise that there'll be one before Christmas because I mean, Pete's still busy. But, you know, if we can, definitely, I'd like to do one, maybe something a little bit more lighthearted, maybe discussing how crap Stephen Seagal's latest film, or, or any other we can do a gift fading action star. <laughs> a gift exchange? Yeah. You, you did send me a gift, because I sent you one. I hope you... Did you All right, that is the end of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>